Uh, I also want to welcome everybody online as well, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast. Great to have you tuned in and, and dialed in and able to stay connected at least a little bit, no matter where you're, uh, where you're listening from. We are wrapping up a series today that we started at the beginning of the month called Discovering God's Will. And if it's your first time here or if it's your first time in a while, at least this month, um, I would encourage you, I admit I'm pretty biased, but I would encourage you to go back and catch up on any of the parts of this series that you might have missed. I just think this is good information for us to learn and know and, and that can help us really grow in our relationship with God. And so again, you can find all that stuff online. And the point of this whole series, the point of talking about this for four weeks straight is to discover God's overarching will, not necessarily specifically for our lives or a specific situation we might be facing, not as in some sort of like, you know, way that we have to, oh God, I'm going to do this to try and appease you. It's from God's loving heart for us that he shares with us his desire, his will, his good and perfect plan for our lives. And so we've been looking at specific instances in the Bible where God says, this is my will from a big picture kind of view. And now that Thanksgiving is over, we can officially move on to Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I don't know if you keep the same rules at your house that I do at mine, but we are a zero tolerance for anything Christmas related until Thanksgiving is over. Okay. That's just, that's the holy way to do it. Okay. And if your name is Jeff Johnson, you're wrong. So if you know Jeff, you know that joke. So um, we, we don't do anything. You know, I, I try. And my, my daughters especially really try and push that boundary every single year. And they'll start humming a Christmas song in the kitchen in October. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And, you know, so, but Thanksgiving was three days ago. And so guess what happened two days ago? Okay, Christmas threw up all over my house, right? It's just... It's everywhere, you know, the tree is up. And to be fair, like it looks beautiful. We got this new 12-foot tree this year and the lights are up and there's been Christmas carols nonstop in my home. And the past two nights, we've had a fire going in the fireplace and watching a Christmas movie. Like Christmas really is just, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a nice, cool time of the year. But what seems odd to me is that we tend to only give Thanksgiving one day a year at best. There's all this anticipation, right, for Christmas. Some of you start, you know, in September, building up for it, and you're counting down the days, and, you know, there, there's, there's none of that sort of build up for Thanksgiving. I don't know of any Thanksgiving carols, you know, deck this turkey with, I don't know. There's like, that doesn't exist, right? And, and none of us specifically, you know, kind of decorate just for Thanksgiving. Maybe do some fall decorations. It's just like, there's no build up. And then as soon as Thanksgiving is over, man, we're already beyond that. Like we're on to Christmas. We're looking forward. Even the day of Thanksgiving, my guess is if we're honest with ourselves, there's very little Thanksgiving going on on Thanksgiving. You know, the first part of the day is busy and run around and finish cooking and we got to travel. And then there's like maybe an hour of lull where we eat and we, you know, say like a quick little three word prayer of Thanksgiving and then after dinner, we either nap or look at Black Friday ads, you know? And like, we, 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 to be generous would be to say we spend 24 hours a year focusing on Thanksgiving. But my question for us this morning is, what if that's not God's will? 
What if it's not God's heart, God's desire that Thanksgiving is just one little, you know, half a percent out of our year? Every single week of this series, we've been looking at a different verse where God just clearly says, hey, this is my will. And this week is no different because in a letter called 1 Thessalonians, we read this, be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I don't think I'm, you know, taking too far of an interpretation to say, I bet this is more than just one day a year in November. I bet God's will for our lives is, is meant to stretch out a little further than that. We've talked about it's God's will that every single person would put their trust in Jesus Christ. It's God's will that his people, it's his heart, it's his good plan for us that we would stay away from any sort of sexual sin. We talked about last week how God's will, at least for those of us who are believers, is that we would live in a way that reflects his goodness and and points people towards him, our honorable lives. And it is 100% God's will that we would be thankful, not just on a day, but in our attitudes, the very core of who we are would be one of thanksgiving. And I think sometimes when it comes to God's instructions, his heart, his will for our lives, sometimes we don't want to do them. You know, maybe last week or the week before was a a good example of that. But this is one I think we all want to do. I think every single one of us would like to be more thankful people. None of us want to be like, you know what? I just want to be a grouch the rest of my life. We want to be thankful. We see intrinsically the value of being thankful. Studies have shown that there are incredible benefits, both mental and physical, when we express gratitude. When we express gratitude, our mood is better. We, 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 we build our immunity systems. We get better sleep. It helps decrease depression and anxiety. Our, our self-esteem raises. We can better deal with relational conflicts with each other. When we express gratitude, we can, it can help prevent chronic pain and, and chronic disease. We can, we can have more empathy in our relationships with other people. If thankfulness could come in a pill form, we would all want to be on it, okay? The benefits are without a doubt. And so much so, we, we all kind of buy into this idea of being thankful. Even when we're not feeling thankful, we want people around us to be thankful. We want to teach our kids to be thankful. If you had kids that went trick-or-treating a month ago, what do we all tell them to say when they get a piece of candy? Say thank you, right? What are we going to tell our kids when they open up Christmas gifts at the end of next month? Make sure and say thank you, right? We, it's because we just know this is important. This is good for us. We, nobody needs to convince us that being thankful is a good thing. Yet for many of us, we struggle to actually live it out, right? Like, I can't be the only one. There's, there, there's this, this, all of these things that we have in life. I mean, we are the luckiest, richest, most blessed people not just in the world right now, but basically in all of human history, okay? We have electricity and air conditioning and heat and multiple vehicles and more than two sets of clothes and just this last Thursday, more food than we know what to do with and the ability to choose who our friends are going to be and who we're going to marry and what we want to do with our lives and vacations and cabins and all of these things. Like, objectively speaking, we live the easiest least amount of toil and hardship lives 
that anybody in the history of ever has ever lived. And yet there seems to be this butting of heads between what God says and how we actually live that out. There seems to be this, this like, these, these two don't mix. Be thankful. How do we actually do that? How come there seems to be a collision between our ability to live this out, even knowing it's a good thing? And I think there's probably a lot of different reasons and maybe situations and circumstances that we all face in life. But I think if you boil everything down, you kind of work down to the lowest common denominator. I suspect that there is a mindset that we all share that causes us to have trouble doing this. And the mindset is this, I deserve. I deserve this expectation of what it is we think we're owed. We, we think we deserve more. We think we deserve better. We think we deserve different. We think we don't deserve maybe something that we've been given. And this idea right here kills thankfulness in our hearts. My wife and I have been married for about 17 years now. And uh, over our marriage, we have been lucky enough to purchase and own three different homes. The first home we ever bought, we were 20 years old, newly married. The, the house is about five or six years old at the time we bought it. It was still new. It was over 1,800 square feet, four bedroom, two bath, three car attached garage, one and a half car detached. I mean, great location, all of those sorts of things. It was a fantastic, not just starter home, it was a great home. The second house we bought was in Castleberry here in North Branch, just a little bit on the east side of town. And this home was bigger. It was newer. It was better. And in fact, it had a level of privacy in it. Most of the time when you buy a house in a neighborhood, there's really no privacy, but we had a great lot, the back of our lot backed up to some woods. I mean, to have privacy in a neighborhood, it was an awesome home. In fact, when I still drive by that house today, I still think like, that was, that was a nice home, you know? The house that we live in right now, we bought at the end of 2017, and it sits on about five and a half acres on the Sunrise River. It's bigger. It, we have the trifecta of utilities. Natural gas, private sewer, high-speed fiber internet. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that, you know? Um, our entire, our bedroom is the entire basement of the home. I mean, it is just, it is awesome. And here's Here's what's happened to me every single time we've bought a home. I have been so thankful. I have. I've been like, man, this is a great home. Thank you, God, that we could get this gift. But here's what else happens every single time to me. Give me a few years and that thankfulness starts to fade. Because I, I start to notice what some of my other friends have. And I think, oh, I deserve that. I start to notice some of the issues, right? Every single house has problems, but these issues start to seem, you know, insurmountable. And I start to think, I don't deserve to have to deal with this. I, I start to look at, you know, what else is on the market? Not so much anymore, but you know, when, when, when the market was reasonable and I start to look at other things, I think I deserve a deal like that. I deserved an interest rate like that. And every single time that what I thought I deserved went up, my gratitude went down. And I think if we are honest with ourselves, I think we'll all come to pretty much the same conclusion. 
that the reason we are not more thankful for what we have in our lives is because we just, our expectations are that we think we deserve something else, something more, something better. The reason we're not thankful for our vehicles, regardless of year and condition, is because we think we deserve something nicer. The reason we're not more thankful for our jobs is because we think we deserve to be paid more. The reason we're not more thankful for for medical care and and doctors and college education is because we just think that stuff should be provided for free. Okay, I deserve to have that. And it is impossible to think we deserve something and be grateful at the same time. You cannot do both. And this is even more than just material things. Maybe for some of us, we know it's, it's not, you know, it's not surface level stuff. What we're dealing with, the reasons that we struggle to be thankful, struggle to live out God's will, is because of some real hardships that we're facing. It's not just a car or a job. Maybe you've, you've gone through or are going through a divorce. God, how do you expect me to be thankful in that? I didn't want my marriage to end. I didn't want my, my spouse to treat me like that. How do you want me to be thankful? I don't deserve this. Maybe for some of us, we're dealing with an ailment or a disease or someone that we love is, and we think, God, what, what, what did I do to deserve having to struggle with this? Maybe you've lost someone that you love and care about and, and like, man, God, I, I prayed. What did, the, what, did, what did I do to deserve this loss, this grief? This or how do you expect me to be thankful? Okay, God, your will is that I'm thankful. How in the world do you want me to do that when I'm facing situations like this? And I think that's, that's real life for some of us. Those are tough questions. Those are things that that I think we should be asking those types of questions. I don't, I don't believe God wants us to just stick our head in the sand and pretend like life is all roses and daisies. But I want to pose a question for us this morning, and I don't want this to come across as callous, but I want to be very direct. What if what we think we deserve, we actually don't? What if whatever it is, what if we actually don't deserve much of anything? Now, I know if, if you go to work and you put in your hours, you deserve a paycheck. I know if you buy a new car, you deserve for it to not be a lemon. I understand that. I'm talking about at the most foundational level possible. What if you and I actually don't deserve anything? It's a hard thought for us. It's a hard question for us to even ask ourselves in our kind of, you know, collective American privileged mindset. But just, what if it's true? What if, what if this is a lie? There's a man we can read about in the Bible. His name is Job. And Job's life was awesome. It was great. Everything was going his way until all of a sudden it wasn't. Job, in a very short amount of time, lost all of his business and property, thousands of livestock. He lost all of his employees. They were all murdered. He lost all 10 of his children in a freak accident where the house collapsed on him. He was afflicted with this terrible skin disease where boils formed on his body. I don't even know what boils look like, okay? It just sounds disgusting. Horrible, right? And I don't know what what we might be facing But I guarantee none of us have ever had to deal with hardship like Job had. 
We might be going through some tough things, but it is nowhere even close to the type of life that Job had. And, and the interesting thing is when you read about Job's life, there's nothing that we can read that would point to he deserved this. It wasn't like he brought it upon himself. It wasn't like, you know, he'd done something wrong and this was just the consequences of making, you know, less than intelligent decisions. It just sometimes that's just the hand that we're dealt. And so Job, after losing so much, just goes into this intense mourning and grieving period. And some of the things he says, he, he says, don't I have a right to complain? I don't know if he's directing this specifically at God or if he's just saying it to the air, like, come on, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to lose everything? What have I done to have to deal with all this pain and heartache? Don't I have somewhere to say and say, I don't deserve this? Don't I have a right to complain? He goes on a little bit later, says, I am disgusted with my life. Some of us know what it's like to say that phrase and to mean it. I'm disgusted with like, let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. God, I don't know what else you expect me to do. The situation, this, this hand I've been dealt, it's not just life giving me lemons. It's life giving me trampled on garbage, moldy cesspool lemons. How do you want me to respond any other way? I am bitter on the inside. I don't deserve this. I, oh, I'm, I'm owed something else. I don't know what it is, but it certainly isn't this. And after complaining to his friends and complaining to God, God finally answers back to Job. And he answers with a powerful perspective shift more than anything else. Job's complaining in all this and, and God says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if, if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Job, I know you're dealing with some hard things, but did you create the earth? He goes on, we're not going to read everything God said. It'd be, it'd be way too long. But Job, can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Is that, is that in your wheelhouse of abilities, Job? Can you do that? One more time, God says, where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this. This is how I know God loves sarcasm because he does it. Okay, I made that up. Don't take that. <laughs> of course you know all this. You were born before it was all created. And oh man, Job, you are so experienced. When you look at everything that God challenges Job back, okay, I know my soul's bitter. I don't deserve this. Everything God says back, I think you could sum it up in this. Job, who do you think you are again? Job, what is it that you think I owe you? T tell me what it is you think you deserve. Okay, listen, I know I've heard you. You, you feel bad about, you know, losing, losing all your animals, Job, who was it who made those animals and gave them to you? Oh, that's right. It was me. Job, I, I know you, you, you feel bad and you're mourning the loss of your property and your business, but tell me again, Job, who was it that gave you the ability to work and produce wealth and to build all of those things? Was that you or was that me? Job, I know you loved your kids. I know that grief is 
It seems unbearable. But I just, I just want you to answer me. If you think you deserve something, who was it that even made your kids and gave them to you, allowed you to be their father? The pain Job was experiencing was incredibly real. The emotions and the feelings he felt were, were, were more than he could probably deal with on his own. And for some of us, we, we know what that's like. I'm not trying to diminish the, the pain that we can experience in this life. But here's the thing. We are prevented from ever experiencing or expressing gratitude when I deserve becomes our ideology. When I deserve maybe becomes even our theology. Ultimately, what, what God was saying to Job, and I, I think something that we, all of us need to, to, to at least be open to, to pondering and thinking, is from God's perspective, creator of all, holy, magnificent, glory, whose ways are so much higher than our ways, whose thoughts we cannot comprehend, who was and is and always will be. From God's perspective, what is it that we think we deserve? What is it that God really owes us? In the New Testament, we're, we're challenged to think of things from a different perspective, and it's this. What do you have that God hasn't given you? I mean, that's the same thing that God could have said to Job. But if everything you have is a gift from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Why, why think we deserve it? Why be ungrateful? If every good and perfect thing that we have in this life comes from our good and perfect and loving Heavenly Father, what is it that we think we deserve? I, I, I wonder, I think this right here, this mindset, approaching life as being full of gifts from God, I think it's the key to becoming more thankful. Here's, here's the reality and here's what I've, I still have a long way to go, but what I'm trying to learn in my own life is that facts don't care about feelings. Facts don't change with our feelings. The reality of what God has given us as a gift does not change with our emotions. We can experience emotions. They're part of what makes us human, okay? But it does not change the fact that God has given us some incredible gifts. What if we began to view more of our life as a gift from God? Do you think that would change things? Do you think we could learn to be more thankful people if we adopted that mindset? The job that you have. I know it doesn't pay enough. And I know you don't like the hours. And I know some of your coworkers, you know, them. You know, right? But what if, what if we could just view this job as, God, thank you for the ability to work. Thank you for the ability to make a living. Thank you for the ability that you give me to breathe and use my hands or do whatever it is that we do at our jobs. Don't you think we could become more thankful if we approached it from that perspective? The fact that we have a job, can have a job, is not something we deserve. It's a gift from God. What if, what if we just acknowledged that and thanked him for it? The vehicle you have, the home we have, the camp, whatever sort of thing. I know it's not as new and as nice and all those sorts of things, but can we just be honest enough with ourselves to say, 
This is a gift that many people in the world do not have the privilege of having. Might not be everything I want, but God, I'm going to thank you for this gift. And again, deeper than just material surface level sorts of things. God's will is that we would be thankful in all circumstances, not for all. Okay, that would be crazy. But no matter what we're facing, there is an opportunity to recognize and appreciate the gifts that God has given us. If you're going through a divorce, like I mentioned earlier, okay, I know that relationship didn't work out, but does that mean we have to ignore all of God's other gifts in our lives? Can we can we thank God for the other relationships that we still do have? I know there's some pain. I know there's feelings. I know there's emotions, but does that mean we have to ignore, God, you have given me some other relationships. I choose to be grateful for those, even in the midst of what I'm dealing with. The finances that we have, okay, I know we all want more, right? Can we be thankful for whatever it is we do have? Our health, even if we drink lots of green super juice and work out and do all the things, right? What, what is it that we have done to deserve good health and long life? Isn't that a gift from God? Isn't that a fact that the fact that we have life, can breathe, can move around, can enjoy, isn't that a fact that doesn't change regardless of our feelings? If we don't have good health, can we choose to be can we choose to acknowledge God? I believe it is a gift, modern medicine, wisdom of doctors, the eradication of certain diseases that would have wiped out generations ago. Can't we view more things as gifts from God? There's this phrase that shows up several times in the Bible, and the phrase is a sacrifice of praise. I think you could also say a sacrifice of of gratitude, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of acknowledging, God, I don't necessarily feel like it. It, it's, it might even be a little forced on my end. It might feel a little fake, but you know what? I'm not going to be controlled by my emotions. I'm going to choose to acknowledge you have given me so many gifts. I will sacrifice my feelings and choose to thank you instead. You see, thankfulness, thankfulness begins where entitlement ends. The more you and I can see everything we have that we don't deserve, the more thankfulness just comes out as a result. The more we can leave behind our entitlement mentality and recognize the giver of good gifts, the more thankfulness will just grow. It's, it's not like a, you know, a light switch. Okay, I'm just going to force myself to be thankful. That's not how it works. It's the more we think about the good things, the more God develops, the more just thankfulness oozes out of us. In a letter to the Philippians, the apostle Paul writes this incredible instruction. He says, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about things that are good and true, and noble, and admirable, and excellent, and worthy of praise, because the more we do that, the more thankful we will be, the more we can actually live out God's will for our lives. 
And for those of us that are Christians, we got a leg up on everybody else. We have an unfair advantage in this thankful thing because we have been given the greatest gift of all. We've been given the ability to be right with God, access to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that our names are registered in heaven when we put our trust in him. Luke wrote, we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, the birth of a savior. Paul says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Peter writes in one of his letters that we have this this hope, this priceless inheritance waiting for us. John, Jesus' best friend, said that we can call God our father and that he views us as our children. What an incredible gift that is. There's two quotes I want to read. Just they, they just they just illustrate this point so well. The first one is from an author named Philip Yancey, and he writes this in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? He says, God dispenses gifts, not wages. None of us gets paid according to merit. None of us really get what we deserve. For none of us come close to satisfying God's requirements for a perfect life. If paid on the basis of fairness, if we got what we actually deserved, if we're going to play that game, be careful because we'd all end up in hell. Instead, he goes on, yet if I care to listen, I hear a loud whisper from the gospel that I did not get what I deserve. I deserved punishment. I got forgiveness. I deserved wrath and I got love. I deserve debtor's prison and got instead a clean credit history. I deserve stern lectures and crawl on your knees repentance, but guess what? I got a banquet spread for me. When we put our trust in Jesus, we don't get what we deserve. We get infinitely better. Grace and mercy. Author Brennan Manning kind of expounds on this thought in his book, the ragamuffin gospel. He says, the deeper we grow in the spirit of Jesus Christ, that's just his way of saying the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we get to know him, the poorer we become. Not financially, but in view of God and his holiness and all those things. When we get a better picture of who God really is, the more we get a better picture of who we really are as well. And the more we realize that everything in life is a gift. The tenor of our lives becomes one of humble and joyful thanksgiving. Awareness of our poverty, our standing with God on our own. Awareness of our ineptitude, our inability to be right with God on our own. Awareness of that causes us, or at least it should cause us, to rejoice in the gift of being called out of darkness into wondrous light and translated into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Whatever we're facing Whatever we've experienced in life, whatever we're going through right now, whatever's going to come at us someday, here's the thing. We have been given the best gift of all. A gift we could never earn. A gift we could never merit. A gift we don't deserve. Access to God, right standing with God that we were never entitled to have on our own. And thankfulness begins where entitlement ends. I don't know what it is that we might be facing. I'm sure if, if we were to tell our stories, there's, there's hardship that a lot of us are going to be going through. Yet God's instruction, God's will, his heart 
to us remains the same, to be thankful in all circumstances. And that's not cold and insensitive from a distant God who doesn't understand life. That is the loving instruction of our Heavenly Father who knows what's best for us. That when we choose to live out God's will, we win. We are better on the inside. Our lives change for the better. So maybe let's not leave Thanksgiving to a Thursday in November. Maybe let's not be thankful only in the fall, but what if you and I chose to acknowledge and recognize the gifts God has given us and allowed gratitude and thankfulness to flow out of that? I think it would change our lives. We're going to close this morning by singing a song together, but as the band comes up and gets ready, I just, I just want us to, to talk to God for a few moments, to just be honest with him and to ask for his help in living out his will. Father, um, I believe that you know what's best more than I could ever know. I believe your perspective on life is so much bigger and better than mine could ever be. And, and Father, I'll tell you, there are times where I struggle with this thankful thing. There are times where I feel like that is so impossible to do. But God, I don't want my, my feelings or my situations to steer me away from your will. God, I want to choose. I want you to help me choose to see the gifts that you have given me. Father, I want to ask you, I want to ask you for all of us to open our eyes to see what you have done, to be able to recognize and notice gifts more often. Father, I want you to bring to our minds and to our hearts when we are tempted to not be thankful, to remind us, Holy Spirit, may you speak to us in a way that we can still see your goodness. We can still recognize your working in our lives and in, in, in different situations around us. Father, I can't be, I, I, I think I'm powerless to be th- truly thankful on my own. I need you to help me with this, God. And so we invite you to draw each of us closer to you, to 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 help us see things more and more from your perspective. And God, we ask you to create in us a heart of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratefulness, because we see how much we have to be grateful for in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.